This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios, in the crap cat part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast. Oh, we're back! Backly, back, back, back. The couple most Americans voted on that they wish would split up immediately so mm-hmm. that Anna Faris and Chris Pratt could live on forever. Yeah. But we're back. I'm sad about that, Rog. And the fact mm-hmm. that we're back means, welcome back, Premier League football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, welcome back, Premier League. I'm world so excited meaning. for this season. The world has meaning once the again. The world does have meaning. I've got to say, without it, I've realised Premier League football, my life is sadly bereft of purpose. Uh-huh. I actually had a conversation about this with the great oh, Carl Martinez. Yeah. The other day. Mm-hmm. Carl Martino. Yeah, him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was talking about how I like to believe that Premier League football gives my life meaning. Yeah. And he asked me whether it actually does that or whether it just allows me to repress the dark recesses that otherwise dominate my life. You know, the voices, David. Yeah. Which would you say it is? Well, I mean, everything you know in your living. life is all about the dark recesses. <laughs> There's nothing in your life that isn't about the dark recesses. I'm 97% so, made of cavities. Yeah, why should we separate the Premier League from everything else in your life? <laughs> Um, other than your children that fill your dark recesses. Um, but yeah, it's thing. I'm, am I, I've been asking myself, am I completely ready for the Premier League to be back? I might have liked a little longer without football. I might be the only one. Why, David? Too much summer. Is it a reminder of my age that as the seasons change, you realise that like you, you get past the age of 50, Rod, you're not there yet. You get past the age of 50... You kind of want the seasons to slow to down. You want the summer break to go. Turn, I know, it's like, turn, oh my turn. God, it's already the 2017, 2018 to season. Gilfie, there is a season. I'm turn, still getting over turn, 04, 05. <laughs> still can't get over that. Feels like oh, yesterday. Still living 85, mate, yep. in my mind. But we did do something together, Davey, that mm-hmm. we are thankful for. We survived the summer, mate. We, we did survive I'm the not, summer. Not sure how, but as I live and breathe, mm-hmm. you're there in front of me. Yeah. And for those of you... Not looking at Dave out as we pod, uh-huh. which is really just producers Lexi uh-huh. and J-Dubs. Everybody else, I'm speaking to you. Dave looks sensational. You do. You look You look like Tight. a young... You I look, could wear an Arsenal jersey right now. You look like a young Joe Biden. <laughs> I could wear an Arsenal jersey. We've been training very hard, Rog. It's a... For what, um, mate? Um, just to escape. Rog, from, from having to think about anything. Physical exertion means... I, I did say when I walked in to pod today that I made a New Year's resolution this year to eliminate dysfunction from my life. Which Don't do is that. turning out that I'm eliminating basically everything from my life except for my children because <laughs> everything else is dysfunction. That would be mad. By the way, you trying to eliminate dysfunction would be yeah. like telling a Chilean footballer yeah. to get rid of like his neck tattoo. Yeah. Chilean footballers on 97% yeah, you're not al- neck tattoo. You're not allowed to dive and roll around <laughs> on the floor anymore. It would be, they would take away it's the entire It's only the dysfunction game. that's holding it together. Yeah, well, clean. certainly when you work in the entertainment business, there is a lot of dysfunction. Um, when you are a uh, single man uh, over the age of 50 of some means, there's a lot of dysfunction. Is that, um, what, they, is that what the kids call yeah, it nowadays? Yeah, that's what they say. There is, a, uh, there's, there is a lot of dysfunction in my life. I'm trying really hard to eliminate the dysfunction, have very honest conversations with people. And it is an unmitigated disaster every single time. And I'm, I'm arriving from a lunch, which was another unmitigated disaster at the point that I tried to eliminate the dysfunction. Don't do it, mate. I know. The only truth people can cope with is baldness. 
Yeah. Everything else. Can I tell you something about that? It's very funny. So Andy Cohen said to me last night, went out for a drink with Andy. No dysfunction there. And Andy uh, said to me, did I, did Anderson Cooper and I inadvertently steal the idea to show the tops of our heads from you and Rog? Because I guess when they promote their uh, Anderson Cooper and Andy uh, live shows that they do around the country, they show a picture of the top of their heads with their wonderful silver fox hairstyles just to go and advertise us. it. And I said to exactly that, I said, no, you didn't copy from us because there's a there's a significant <laughs> difference, Andy, in that you have hair. Yep. You and Anderson have beautiful hair. And, you, and they're both desirable. No, this summer I've dedicated a lot to uh, working out with my trainer, the Ninja. We do a lot of running with him holding a very large elastic band around my uh, around my chest and me having to try and run away from him. It's like a, Is this in public? It's like a cartoon. Sometimes in public, sometimes down at the pier, but it's like a... we got to do it, that. It's like a human cartoon of like running uh, with the resistance I would band. love to do that with it. I would love Boxing. to... Boxing. Yeah. I would love to traverse this city with yeah. you pulling on a large <laughs> elastic band. I think, honestly, it's the future. <laughs> so we should try that. We've been doing a lot people, of that. People thought that like, uh, we'd all be flying on personal jetpacks. Yeah. That's not the future. The no, future it's not. is being pulled by Davo on a yeah. large elastic band. But I've spent a lot of time in London this summer. I've been in London several times, been there a lot. It's the city I grew up in. To be very clear, I'm not spending any time anywhere near the London I grew up in. I'm staying in really nice parts, in nice hotels, and going to really nice places. And i got to tell you, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this at the end of the podcast when we get to the Amazon Emporium, but I had one of the nicest evenings I've had in my life in London. London has this way in the summer of it gets a little bit deserted. There's no one there. You know how crowded New York is? We're just in Chicago. Beautiful, crowded, LA crowded, everywhere's crowded. London can have these moments, these evenings in the summer where the weather is beautiful and it just gets deserted. And I went to one of my favorite movie theaters in the world, the Criterion in Mayfair on Curzon Street. It is just about the most beautiful movie theater you go to. A very, it's like sort of a hot deco. It's got a beautiful bar downstairs. You go to the bar. And I went to see Dunkirk. And we'll talk more about this movie at the end of the pod. This movie blew me away, affected me like almost nothing I've seen in a theater over the last 10, 15 years. And it was just the most beautiful evening in a beautiful city that has rebounded so hard, not only from the Blitz, not only from <laughs> the era of Dunkirk, but London with everything going wrong between the terrorist attacks, Brexit, you know, the whole new craze of like throwing acid in people's faces, which seems to be the thing in London nowadays. The Tim Sherwood era at Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, exactly. London should be the most awful place in the world. And yet London is going through a moment uh, right now. Uh, where it's just exceptional. And just that evening, that theatre, that's my memory of the summer. How about you, Rog? Oh, I thought you'd never ask, no, David. Sorry. I was in I'm a, excited to I, hear. I was in a lovely, quiet, deserted place too. I was in Sweden, yeah. where the big takeaway mm-hmm. was in Gotland. Yeah. And I realised just how impoverished my life has been because I have not spent enough time on lakes. Yeah. I love a lake. You do love a lake. I love a lake. I didn't realise how much I loved a lake until I walked around <laughs> Stockholm. I love a lake. I was in England making soccer films. I was in the glam parts of England, David. Yeah. I was in Newcastle, Huddersfield, the sexy city. Yeah, Brighton. I was in Chicago with yeah. you. Yeah, we were there. For MLS All-Star Game. God, uh-huh. I love Chicago. Yeah. Genuinely. I, I'm reading right now Rich Cohen's phenomenal new book on the Chicago Cubs. And he writes about Chicago. He calls it a city built on slaughtering, trading, stacking, demolishing, or hauling, which is pretty well what Ronald Koeman's done to Everton over the summer, which is probably why I love Chicago. It's the same so Rich Cohen who wrote the book about the Chicago Bears. I see a theme. Oh. It's a fantastic book. When's this book coming out about the fire? 
<laughs> after Bastian Schweinsteiger delivers the World Cup this year, yeah. there is that. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. But the biggest news story, and there's lots when I'm not with you, that just I file away and I'm like, I cannot wait to talk to Davo about it. But I had to winnow it down, and I went with the most important one, the most critical one that happened while I've, we were away. I mean, I found it impossible to shake this news story, to be honest, with everything that's going on in the world, Brexit, Trump, populism, the climate accords. I mean, I read this one article and I thought, this is the eye of the storm that just cries out for a serious unpacking with Davo. So here it is, hard-hitting journalism, thanks to the New York Post, who broke the news that shook the world over the summer, or my world anyway. Rooney Mara eats pie for the first time at 31 years of age. It seems impossible, but somehow Rooney Mara had never tried pie until she was 31 years old. The actress, who is now 32, is now 32, revealed in a recent interview that she had her first taste of pie while shooting David Lowry's A Ghost Story in 2016. Unfortunately for her, the scene in the movie required her to eat not just a slice, but a whole pie. Oh, bless. So how is it possible she'd never tasted pie before? I was a really, really strange picky child, she explained. Something about pie always grossed me out, and I just never tried it before. And this came along, and I tried making them switch it to something else, but David really wanted it to be pie, so we did pie. <laughs> the pie scene in which Mara's character, spoiler alert, stress eats a pie after her husband dies, lasts we've all, about we've all been there. Lasts about five minutes. It definitely wasn't the ideal situation for a first-time pie eater. That is the, by the way, that is the greatest ending line of any article ever. It definitely wasn't the ideal situation for a first-time pie eater. And here's what's fascinating to me about this, David. We could talk about this for an hour and a half, by the way. What have you not done in your life that you dearly loved it? Something that, like, you're even vaguely disappointed, nay, even disgusted at yourself because... The you, you saw yourself at your essence doing, you would have done it. You would have believed you would have done it by your age. What, what have you not done, David? You and your accomplished, I mean, you, a Lawrence of Arabian kind of life. What, what's not been conquered? It, the first three things that came into my head, I can't say. The fourth thing is, uh, especially after trying wakeboarding early this summer, which we spoke about on a previous pod. Yeah, and in, and in wakeboarding today, our other podcast. I now can't believe I've summer. never snowboarded. I quite like never. skiing. You've never never snowboarded. snowboarded. I've skied. I've always been pro. I've never snowboarded. Now, now, I, now I'm. I mean, just one rung short of the professional uh, level in wakeboarding. <laughs> I now definitely need to snowboard. That's something I haven't done. How about you, Rog? Oh, I've never seen Ghostbusters. What the new one or the no, original? I've seen the new one. Yeah, <laughs> but the one with men, the, the avant-garde one where they cast men. I'm the not, male it, version. It, but I would watch it, but it's become almost a core part of how I see myself in its absence. I'm mm. loath to fill it now. Number two, it doesn't age well that film. Anyway, watch it. Let me know how you feel about it. I've never been to Japan. Oh. Never set foot on a bullet train. Never seen the cherry blossom in Kyoto. Yeah. Never gotten drunk in a salaryman bar, yeah. David. You have, haven't you? Yeah, I love Japan. Well, now you've been to now you've been to Sweden. You seem to love the Axis powers, so um, <laughs> so you should head off to Japan. How were the ball bearing factories, by the way? Did they uh, show you the way to the ball bearing? They factories? They showed me appropriate levels okay, of regret, good. and most importantly, and we've talked about this before, but I need to go back on the record because it's yeah. critical, and I need to change it. I've never learned the banjo. <laughs> I think of myself as a banjo player in life. I think about the world divided into banjo players, non-banjo players. I'm a banjo player. And I was in London recently, and I walked past a banjo store, a store that sold nothing but banjos. Mm. 
and just the the sun, banjos are us. The sun just broke through the clouds. The banjo and shot at that second, a, a shaft of light fell on a yeah. banjo, and like I heard little voices. Oh, it's like Tom Davis kind of little oh voices. It wasn't. Oh, I wish it was, mate. Yeah. I wish I, I should be able to play that now for you, because oh, the banjo still is full of my people, David. They really, they, they really, they're not my people, but I dream of them being my people, clawhammer people. And I really feel when I left, I turned away with a tear in my eye, and I suddenly felt the sands of time that are stacking up against me, David. <laughs> I, I can't think of many things that would be more unbearable than you playing a banjo. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing, JW? Uh, well, we're, we're just waiting for the uh, we're just waiting for the pod because uh, Roger's just practicing don't, his banjo. Don't interrupt Roger oh, when don't he's interrupt. taking out the banjo. <laughs> he's, in, he's in banjo practice. Move on. Oh my good lord! To some MIB notes. Yes, yeah, some MIB notes. So uh, number one, Roger, two big Men in Blazers shows coming up. Uh, Washington, D.C. We've been saying for years we're going to go to D.C. We're finally going to D.C. Repeal and replace. Yeah, that's on Wednesday, August 16th, Rog. To celebrate English football's return, we head to the nation's capital for our Premier League inauguration, a live show at a top-secret location. We can't say what it is. yet reveal for actual security reasons, not the Lincoln Memorial. I think we can safely say we're not doing the show. It sounds like we're organising a rave that you get a text message the hour before. It's an amazing place. By the way, that's a great idea. We should do a Men in Blazers rave. (sighs) The swamp's Um, about to get swampier, David. Yeah. Tickets were sold exclusively in the Raven newsletter. We put them up just about an hour before recording this on Tuesday. They're already sold out. For GFOPs who purchase tickets, we will announce the location in the days leading up to the show we promise. For those who did not get tickets, we will do a post-show fueled by Guinness. Stay tuned. I'll say I used to live in D.C. and I cannot wait to be back. And uh, J-Dubs obviously lit up uh, mm. Virginian soccer in the uh, mm. in the late 90s. Or was it early yeah. 2000s? By lit up, meaning started lots of fights by going in above the knee challenges. With his own, tr- with his own tree trunk yeah. thighs. It makes Pedro's <sighs> challenge look like a work of art. But then after D.C., David, yeah. I'm going to, one of your old cities... You're going to Orlando. Orlando. Orlando Magic. Orlando Magic. That was their very imaginative song, Rog. Uh, Jamlando, it's called by the local uh, R&B radio station down there. You're going to Orlando, Florida on Thursday, August 17th. With J-Dubs. God, are you going to take, what is the uh, the train that goes down from D.C. from Union Station and it goes all the way down the south. It, it sort of goes on the Flagler route, ends up going and stopping in that beautiful train station in Winter Park, Florida. Why, why would I, you can take a beautiful train, Why would I Rog? take a beautiful train, you when, love I can, a train. when I can simply tie an elastic band to your waist <laughs> and have you pull me it's all the way true. down there? That is also a luxurious That's way how to I travel, travel now. Uh, Rog, it might be quicker than the Amtrak train <laughs> also. Um, yeah, the day after our D.C. Ro- uh, show, Rog, you head to Orlando to tape a pod special with Dom Dwyer. In Do- front of a live studio audience. Double He's D. fantastic. He was there in Chicago with us, Rog. Tickets for that are being handled by Orlando City, but there will be a post-show Guinness open to any and all GFOPs in the area, so come out. J-Dubs and I will be the worst thing to happen mm-hmm. to Jam Lando mm-hmm. since Dwight Howard left. I tell you, with the record of the Orlando Magic, that's going to be very hard for that to be <laughs> the case, uh, Rog, over the last few years. As a faithful Orlando uh, Magic fan. Okay, Rog, with the Premier League's return comes the return of our Tugger uh, Fantasy League. We're just days Tugger, out and we want Tugger. as many of you to sign up as possible. All of the information is up now on meninblazers.com. Rog, you taped a pod special with Tugger's head of content, John Wallen, that's also up now. Later in this pod, you'll speak with Simon Wardle, the gent who won our Tugger League 
last year, a minor international celebrity at this point, to get some insight into his strategy, strategy for the season ahead. Small tip for free for you, David. Yeah, what? Start Watford's Richarlison this weekend. Oh, big point, no whammies. Interesting. Okay, we've got a packed Premier League season preview pod ahead. We're going to go all Lewis and Clark exploring every storyline of the uncharted and virgin territory. There's no virgins in the Premier League, Rog. That is the 2017-2018 season. That includes our trademark, highly questionable top four predictions. I can't wait to talk about this. Our reactionary relegation picks and one flaming hot take from each of us on a side that we think could surprise this season. So, Rog, without further ado, I give you the first to the football of this Premier League season. To the football, Rog. Oh, I've got my Guinness in hand, David. You do. And I want to make a toast Mm -hmm. to the Premier League returning. Yeah. One of my other favourite stories of the summer, David, other than the bombshell, the Rooney Mara pie bombshell. Yeah. It was a story that I I believe reflects on Mm. just how big the Premier League has become. Yeah. It was from my favourite morning read. You know what I love to read in the morning. Yeah, Beijing Business Today. Yeah. Um, they wrote an article, headline screamer, Palm Echo Town Development Company revealed mm. they plan to construct five or six towns called West Bromwich Albion Towns. Yeah. What's a West Bromwich Albion Town, you may ask mm. yourself? They say it's an intelligent, integrated landscape environment with a youth training academy of the Premier League club as the key feature of the soccer town. Soccer town. And I can't stop thinking about it, Davo. Mm. What would life be like in a West Bromwich Albion town? Well, there's going to be a lot of contact in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Life's there's never... going to be a lot of playing the ball from the back, 75 yards. Life's going to be never too exciting, but it's also going to be free of danger yeah. and peril. Yeah. Pretty much. Occasionally, Rondon will be up there. Occasionally, there'll be a Rondon in every town. Occasionally, there'll be a knock on the door. Yeah. And a hologram of Tony Poulis in his tracksuit will come and scream at you to keep the noise down. Nice. That's good. By the way, can you think of a worse neighbor in real life than Tony Poulis? He's a terrifying man. Mm. I, I cannot, I was trying to think of who would be worse. I can only think of like. John Goodman in Barton Fink. I think I think Poulis would be quite a good neighbour. You did actually. He'd met the local kids would behave around Poulis. God, They'd be you, so terrified you, of getting you, a lashing. You wouldn't God kick your forbid, ball into his yard. God forbid you knock over one of his pansies oh, or yeah, his geraniums. His, his gnomes. <sighs> it would be, You'd be in a lot of lives trouble. Lives would be lost. John Goodman, Barton Fink. Yeah. Goebbels. Yeah. Or Scaramucci, the mooch. I can, yeah. Those are the only three people I can think of worse yeah. neighbours than the Poulis. But I'm going to raise a glass mm. to you my partner in pod and life, Michael Davis, yeah. and to all of our listeners, the Premier League is returning yeah. for all of us, no matter which team we support, yeah. successful or failing, rich or mm. poor, good or evil. Oh, we've all got that all too rare feeling. The night before the season kicks off, everything is possible. We all still have hope. Courage, David. <laughs> we do. Uh, I should say to our uh, Trump voting uh, right-leaning listeners that despite what Roger said about climate accords, Trump, Brexit and Scaramucci. Say what position I take on it. <laughs> no, no, it's not. no, 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 no one would know. No one would know. Um, anyway, one more toast, Roger. To Mark Lewis, yeah. GFOP in Murray, Utah, who woke up from surgery after fighting his pancreatic cancer and sent a photo of himself listening. This is unbelievable. Right out of surgery, Davo, to our podcast. What are you doing, Mark Lewis? That's I mean, not safe. He is a doctor, mm. I believe, anyway. But our podcast comes with a health warning on the best of days. But we wish you, Mark, oh. and your family yeah. 
You're an inspiration to us. We wish you courage. I hope you get your sanity back as well. That would be useful. Uh, Okay, Rog, before we delve into the season ahead, we need to revisit the Premier League prologue. I speak, of course, about the Community Shield, Rog. It's the one trophy I want so badly. Arsenal won, Chelsea (laughs) won, Arsenal won it 4-1 on penalties. Chelsea took the lead, Vera, 46th minute Victor Moses' goal because clearly the Community Shield means so much more to him than the FA Cup final. But in the 80th minute, 82 seconds after Pedro was sent off, he's our new Diego Costa, Rog. Arsenal's beefy new boy, uh, Sayad Kalasanak headed hero. home the equaliser. Alvaro Morata, poor Morata, Rog. And Thibaut Courtois, yes, Chelsea's goalkeeper, missed penalties as Arsenal claim English football's first trophy of the season. Oh, not the greatest game on the eye. I, I loved last year, and it still stands, GFOP at the best smart uh, defined the community shield for us. He said, like all great sporting events, I prepare for the community shield by checking Wikipedia to remind me what it is exactly again. But watching it, it was it was kind of like watching Phelps race that fake shark. It felt a bit, mm, bit artificial, David. Biggest role of tactical interest that I wanted to pick your brain on? Conte. Bold change. Going tracksuit on the sideline. Echo of Jose Mourinho two years ago in the same game against the same opponent before he turned into the Mad King. Well, and then quickly that morphed into the undershirt, the long-sleeved undershirt, under the training top. I mean, just an odd look. I mean, he looks, he looks all out of whack. And no wonder right his players were confused. The three-button white undershirt with the tracksuit. Tactically, mm. it's just absolutely incoherent. Yeah. And it was so odd watching Chelsea play Arsenal without a snarling Diego Costa just doling out the wedgies, the wet willies, just generally kicking in yeah. the sand into the eyes of, of the Gunners centre-backs. How was that for you as an experience? Oh, we've got Pedro now, Roger. We've got Pedro You're now. a new enforcer. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, odd without Diego uh, Costa. Diego Costa, whatever else, and I'm sure we'll talk about him more this season, but um, whatever else you think of the man, he was beloved by the Chelsea fans, and I think he's one of those players who, if he plays for your team, you love him. If he plays against you, you hate him. Uh, I feel the Chelsea fans have not had a chance to say goodbye to him. And he's just sort of, he's he's gone. And without, you know, Eden Hazard, uh, without the new boy coming into midfield, Bakayoko, um, I feel like Chelsea just looked toothless in this game. I do wonder if teams will have the same level of fear as they did without Diego Costa. I mean, it's like he's the Brazilian Spanish Bob Prober. He kept opponents honest. At all times. Well, remember also, this is a long line. There is a, it's very tough. There is, it's tough to find a player on Chelsea to hate right now. And for years, when opposing teams have had John Terry and then Diego Costa, they've had like their panto villains. There isn't really a player on that team. You know, some people don't like Luis very much, but there isn't really a player on that team who you think, oh God, I really dislike him. He's a bit of an asshole. He's going to go, he knows the dark arts. Enforcer Pedro. Pedro. I know it's going to be tougher for Pedro to go and pick up that mantle, clearly. Um, But it's not really there. It just seems like a lot of really nice boys playing for Chelsea right now. Avaro Morata, Roger, so sweet. So sweet. When he missed that penalty in the shootout, it broke my heart. It Mm. really, I mean, penalties do not mean anything. Hence... Courtois trying for some goalkeeper on goalkeeper violence. He should never have been taking that penalty in the first place. But my God, when Murata missed the penalty in the shootout, it was like watching Ralph Wiggum having his heart broken. And these games don't count and who matters and the penalty, no one will remember. It reminded me, Dave, of Lukaku missing a penalty in front of Mourinho in the UEFA Super Cup 
and within a week or two just saying, I don't belong here at Chelsea. I'm, yeah. I'm done. And, and in a similar way, Lukaku walked away with his heart yeah. broken. Yeah, Mourinho never wanted him. A- oh, no, wait a minute. He did want him again. Very weird. Um, so, um, so yeah, no, but it definitely affected him in Chelsea. And look, Community Shield, I think there are two ways of looking at it. One is that it, uh, it doesn't matter very much at all. You know, Chelsea, they certainly haven't won it in any of their appearances since 2009. And in that time, uh, they've won the Premier League three times. Um, but the other way to look at it is that it's not starting your season very, very well. They've had a very poor preseason. They've obviously got a lot of very publicized problems. I don't think this is a particularly good Arsenal side. They looked completely overmatched by them in the uh, second half of that game from the point that they scored on. But Arsenal fans, just ignore the fact that none of the previous six Shield winners have gone on to win the Premier League. Mm. Focus on the fact that no matter what happens from this point on, you've already won the triple this season, lads. You're ahead of the game. That trinket in China, Yeah, I can't even remember the name of. Mm-hmm. The Emirates Cup. Oh, the Emirates Cup is the big one. And now you've got the Community Shield. Your pre-season DVD is going to be fire. By the way, the other thing I love if I'm an Arsenal fan, Saeed Kalasnik. Oh, that big bottom, big board. Is that Bartolo Cologne? Lord David Ortiz in football cleats. He's, oh, he's Robert Tractor Trailer. He's big pappy. Watching that Arsenal jersey on him. It looks like Chris Christie's pants on Chris Christie. Let's break the off-season down now, team yeah. by team. Starting with the biggest transfer news of the season, David. Welcome to Chelsea, Mr. Willy Kaba. Yeah, he's all yours yeah, now, yeah. David. I'm very excited. He's all I've yours. got to tell you, yeah, it has not been. It's not been an amazing uh, transfer window for Chelsea. For me, it is. It is the fact that we've got Willy Kaba is a. I think that's an absolutely uh, wonderful thing. What a great backup goalkeeper uh, he's going to be. The best in the game. Yeah, uh, but. As we said, Chelsea have said good, they've said goodbye more than hello during this transfer window uh, to reliable uh, and some sensational standbys, replacing them with uh, some shiny or a couple of shiny but not yet Premier League proven young stars. Oh, let's start with the real big news. John Terry, yeah. captain, mm. leader, villain. Yeah. Off to lead Literally. Aston Villa's attempt to return to the top flight. Is he yeah. the captain at Villa? Yeah, of oh, course he is. He is. Wow. It's good. in his contract. Why... Would you not, if you're John Terry, retire a champion? I mean, I don't, uh, I, I can't criticise him for that. I mean, he's playing, he's playing a kid's game. He's playing it professionally. I don't think he's ready to quit. I think he's still got some football left in him. He wants to go and play football. Good for him. I love that, that he's going to still go and play so football. That, that athletic need to fend off retirement which seems worse than death. I mean, the world outside the locker room can just seem dark and full of terrors, mostly because, as I can vouch if you're listening, John Terry, it is dark and full of terrors. At That Bone Kid tweeted us, a truth that only Batman and JT now know for real. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. (sighs) For real Chelsea arrivals, Davo, we've got to talk about your big signing, Murata. True talent, direct, quick, good in the air, so young, Real questions, though, about whether he's got the mental strength to prosper in the Premier League. Look, he's a very good he's a very good footballer, and you're right. I think it's one of the things that we haven't had a chance to see yet. And I think for a, for a striker like him, there's a certain kind of service that he expects, and I don't think Chelsea is set up for that kind of service. Chelsea, and I think you saw it throughout the Community Shield, they don't get particularly deep. They don't float a lot of balls into the box. They don't play to an aerial striker. Diego Costa wasn't really that player. He wasn't bad in the air, but he didn't... 
he didn't uh, he didn't feed off that kind of ball. And I think Morata's going to need a different kind of ball. I think he's going to back up Bats. I think Bats will start. I oh, think the Bats, bats era. I think we Chelsea love the Bats. For it, real. Is, it is. It is. It is. Uh, so I think Bats is going to start ahead of him. And I think Alvaro will come on. There's a lot of football to be played at Chelsea this season uh, between the Premier League, the Champions League, a couple of cup competitions. And I think he'll get his opportunities. I think you see some of the issues he's going to have in the Premier League. That, you know, receiving that sort of ball, those sort of David Luiz's pinged passes uh, from centre midfield at his feet um, uh, with back to goal. I think that's going to be something that either he's going to have to work on or Chelsea are going to have to stop doing. Bats deals with that better at this point. I think that it will be also a very different game for him when he has Eden Hazard playing alongside him. Eden Hazard creates a lot more space uh, for Morata in the middle. But... um, Interesting. I think to say that the jury's out on Morata amongst most Chelsea fans, I think would be an understatement. I think a lot of people are very uh, concerned. And the English media are going to be obsessed with who will score more goals, Morata or Romelu Lukaku, the one that got away, or I guess the pile of Lannister gold that Everton have stockpiled for selling Mm. Lukaku. Mm. And the right answer is? Wayne Rooney. Harry Kane. (laughs) (laughs) He's just a four-season wonder. The enigmatic Matic. Yeah. Been replaced by Bakayoko. Yeah. What a fierce ball winner he is to play alongside Kante. You've still yeah. got the, the holy art with you to take into battle. If you've got Kante, then God is on your side. Mm. Antonio Rudiger, six foot three German, mm. who can play anywhere along the back line. German. Best signing for Chelsea. Yeah. Maybe Antonio Conte to two more years, David. Yeah. $12.4 million a year, highest paid manager in Chelsea history. So a big money payoff awaits him when he's fired in six months' time. Doesn't exactly doesn't mean anything. A two-year deal for Conte, um, he could be gone in a month's time. Anything is possible uh, at that club. Just one word on Matic. A lot of my friends who are United fans asking me, "Oh, it's so great. Why would you let Matic go?" Matic. I think Matic is going to be a better player at United than he was at Chelsea. So I think you can ask the question: Why would you let United go and have that that missing jigsaw puzzle? But there are very few games over the last two seasons where you would say, oh, Matic was the best player for Chelsea today. Didn't happen very, very often. He doesn't work particularly hard. He ambles around a lot. He's a lollopper. Scored a sensational goal. Don't like lollopers. Scored a sensational goal uh, in the semi-final of the FA Cup. But he doesn't, and he's scored that great goal against Everton. Always scores great goals against Everton. But he he doesn't, doesn't, doesn't shoot the ball a lot. But for Man United who've had a few lollopers playing for them in midfield, um, he might be uh, just what the doctor ordered. It might it might reignite his career. Look, is it going to be second season Mourinho syndrome at Stamford Bridge for Conte? I, I think the addition of European football is going to make this season inextricably different. Yeah. I mean, the, the hallmark of Conte season one was playing the same 15, 16 players over and over and over again. He's not going to get away with that this year. Well, he's only got 15 or 16 players, so I don't <laughs> think he's got much of a choice, Rog. And he doesn't have Hazard, who's out with a broken ankle. Or Bakayoko. The rumours of up to four new players before the transfer deadline keep yeah. being banded around. Yeah. Second thing that's going to be interesting to watch him tackle, the 3-4-3 formation, that tactical fad that swept English football. With like, The only thing I've seen like it is a fidget spinner. Yeah. I just think he's going to have to evolve that. It seemed like opponents at the end of last season had worked that out, Davo. So I've got to ask you, only two managers have ever successfully defended the Premier League Championship. Sir Alex Ferguson and Manchester United and Jose Mourinho, first spell at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. As you think about Antonio Conte in the season ahead, play it forward. I mean, for me, um, I mean, I think you can get from what I my comments about the Community Shield early on, 
Uh, I am very grim on Chelsea's uh, chances this season. This isn't me just like, oh, like preparing myself for what it's going to be. Like we've seen this before. The last time Chelsea defended a title, they finished 10th. And frankly, there were points in the season where uh, it might have been worse than 10th. I think they've not done what, you know, Conte himself has said that teams have to do after they win is they have to build. And they've not built. They've let uh, more quality players go than they've bought in. I actually think one of the most positive things that they've done in this transfer window is they've got rid of a lot of their young players and sent them off to go and get more experience, either on loan or actually, um, you know, they've sold a few. sold Chalabar to Watford. They let Solanke go at the end of his contract. To let young John uh, Terry get... To Liverpool, let young John Terry... get some experience. Young, young Tell uh, go <laughs> off to Aston Villa. But they don't have enough players. They simply do not have enough players. And in a season where they're going to have to compete in four trophies, they don't have enough players. And I do think, yes, there is going to be... Some senses he's going to have to find something new. I think they're going to be fine at the back, and I think the three-four-three will suit them playing defensively. I think it's up front. How are they going to deal? You know, Bats is going to require a different kind of service than Costa. Morata um, is going to, you know, require a different kind of service. I think we've got to see what kind of a season Hazard is going to have. I think Willian looks up for it, looks ready for it this season. Um, but I think we'll have to see. But I, I'm a little grim uh, on on the uh, chance of this team, especially when you look at what the other teams who they're competing against, the two Manchesters, uh, Liverpool, uh, even your beloved Everton, Rog, the, you know, how aggressively these other teams have moved to compete. I'm pretty grim on Chelsea. The other thing about it all, Dave, is Antonio Conte doesn't seem to understand the way things work. He seems to want to win it all again. He seems to be ready to attack the campaign with ferocious solemnity that Vladimir Putin brings to his vacationing. He doesn't know that he's just meant to, like, let it all go to crap and slide down into the mid-table and let it all burn down. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, the team that beat Chelsea, relatively unchanged from last season, Arsenal, with one sizable French exception, Rog, Alexandra Lacazette. Oh, Lacazette. Oh, proper Arsenal striker. And he's French and so good-looking. Intelligent, link play, loving striker, in from Lyon. Sparking what GFOP at Adam Gold 511 called... That annual rebirth of delusion mm. in Arsenal fans. At A11, Thoney tweeted us, in France, we call him Penalzette because 50% of the goals he scores are on penalties. He's going to need service, David. Yeah. Not like Murata, he's going to need patience yep. from the home fans, both of which are going to be in short supply because Lacazette aside, and my new favourite, Kolasnik, there's been a lot of rumours for Arsenal, but no big fish landed. I mean, Lamar and Bappe, they seem about as likely to sign for Arsenal as I do. And that game-changing new super talent that's needed to spark the cultural overhaul, uh, it's just not arrived. Yeah, I'm, I was trying, I was watching this weekend, and I was trying to think of, like, how to look at this season through the lens of Arsene Wenger, through his point of view. And I realised that one way to look at it through his lens is that this is a man who has never seen a legitimate goal scored against his own team. He's never seen a foul committed by his own team. He's never seen a draw that didn't warrant a win. He's never seen a loss that didn't warrant at least a point. You've got to think that Arsenal's appalling bad misfortune to have goals conceded, penalties scored against them, uh, and various the, the ills that have befallen them from Arsene's point of view, that at a certain point that luck has to change and that luck has to turn around, and that therefore this could be Arsenal's year. That's the most rational way to approach what's going on because you look at Chelsea, they won the title last season and they've gone out and got a whole new spine. I mean, Arsenal have done little to change the, 
the squad which finished 18 points behind Chelsea last season and haven't really come within touching distance of winning I, it in dog years. I don't know. I, I really disagree with you, but actually I don't think that's, that's, a, that's a fair analysis. Chelsea replaced, they got rid of Matic, replaced by Bakayoko. They've got rid of Costa. They replaced that with Morata. They've really done very little. Yes, they've bought in you know, one defender, uh, but they've lost way more. Uh, so they've, done they've, still got, they've still got a whole new spine to point to. Arsenal have none of that, David. They have Lacazette on whom yeah. an incredible amount of pressure and an incredible weight of expectation is going to be flung upon. And then they have the fear left over. The legacy the, I think, is going to be a decent player. There's the, a bit more, bit more muscle there. Corrosive effect of just the existential one-to-way stasis of Alexis Sanchez and Meza yeah. Ozil just dragging them down. I mean, Sanchez, by the way, who played again at the Confederations Cup fourth consecutive summer of football, must be the most exhausted man in world sports. I, I worry about Arsenal in the same way as you worry about Chelsea. I really worry about... I worry about Arsene. I mean, for Arsenal to change, he has to show he's willing to change and evolve. And that's not easy. The older you get, people, the harder it is to change. It is in life. Never mind in football. You have to keep changing. Any relationship is meaningful is one where the people entering it are willing to change, real change, not surface change. You have to fundamentally not fear change. And I look, and by the way, that's, that, that approach is, that's an approach to love and life as well as football. But I, I see Arsene and see very little evidence of change in this off-season. So put your nipple clamps on early Arsenal fans. But there is an Arsenal point of view, which a lot of Arsenal fans have I think certainly the manager has that Arsenal do, are capable of playing the best football and actually are the best football team in football and at some point when it all clicks it might be okay they haven't lost anyone significantly anything they've done has been additive and if the game goes according to form and the breaks go their way with Arsenal's their ability to still play beautiful beautiful football I agree the Alexis issue is a that is key for them solving that um but with Welbeck back perhaps a full season injury free who knows Roger and I think he's a very significant player for them um let's, I think let, let's all good. believe in the year of magical thinking for Arsenal and Arsenal fans your team you kick off the season early starting this Friday Godspeed yeah. Manchester City Rog Pfft. impressive Pep Guardiola enters his second season with a much-reinforced rear guard. City has brought in a cadre of big-name defenders with even bigger price tags, Rod. Yeah, Guardiola spunked $260 million mm. on five players, four of whom are designed to do something that he pretty well ignored last season, which is defend. Yeah. Invested heavily in speed down the flanks. Carl Walker became the world's most expensive defender, $70 million. Mm. Danilo, Benjamin Mendy. We're also extravagant acquisitions. Yet none of them are a centre-back, David. You've got Vonson Company, who's going to have to stay healthy. Huge gamble. Or we're going to have to rely on Dothraki International, Otamendi and John Stones, who will continue public suffering levels of pain. No, no need to Theon Greyjoy, David. What are tackles? What are tackles? Can you please remove the doll from your uh, from your bedroom at home, your John Stones uh, voodoo doll, Rog? Come on, give him a break, poor kid. He just look. He went. He left for another football team. Is that the worst thing anybody could ever do for himself? <laughs> um, it has been, and I take no pleasure in that whatsoever. I'm thinking only about us nowadays. I'm a new man, but we'll get to that. I am looking forward to watching the guile of Portuguese playmaker Bernardo Silva, mm. haunted already by the new calamity in the making that is Edison, a goalkeeper 
If you've not seen him, you're going to love him this weekend. He's got tattoos that seem to have a little bit of neck attached to them. I mean, how do you replace an established goalkeeper who couldn't hold his nerve in the hurly-burly Premier League, Davey, by paying huge money for a 23-year-old who's never played English football and has had one season behind them as a pro? Mm. I pray for him. But for City, probably the best thing they've done, most impactful for the for season ahead, getting rid of Jesus Navas. I'm going to miss Jesus Navas. Roger, it gave us so many highlights uh, on Men in Blazers. It gave us an instant thing as we knew every time we were going to show a City game, there'd be, oh, there'd be a couple of Jesus Navas is cross... <laughs> Crosses to nowhere, whiffed shots. Uh, we, we're going to we miss them. We didn't even them. get to do a Jesus Navas in memoriam no, video. No. But the, the big question for City this year, has Pep learned from his mistakes in that first inaugural trial by fire? I mean, he lived Man City's failure so personally, so publicly. You get the feeling for him that defeat this season will be less a footballing loss, but it will be more like the implosion of his entire footballing philosophy. How much do you think he's going to bend? How much is he going to stand defiant? I don't think he shows a lot of indications of bending, uh, Rog, hence the new goalkeeper he's brought in, who doesn't seem, he seems to me a bit like Claudio Bravo, uh, Mark II. Could be wrong, but does not seem to be the kind of keeper you want in the Premier League uh, or the kind of keeper who excels in the Premier League. Um, you know, I'm sure he's going to bend a little. He's definitely, whatever he says, he's learned something from his first season in England. I think we will see. He understands how competitive the league is. He understands how how uh, good all these teams are. And he understands how difficult it is to win uh, away from home in the Premier League. I think a lot is going to depend on... I think City are going to be right up there. I think a lot depends on who they're right up there with. And if the team right up there with him come from the other side of Manchester, I think we're going to see all... <sighs> sorts of theatre, dramatics, press conference. I, I think it's going to be amazing. If it's Mourinho versus Pep this season, they are going to do everything they can to get in each other's heads. Oh, I C love it. Seacrest is going to move to Manchester. That's where the action's going to be. But the biggest transfer news of the season, people, mm -hmm. David Silva. Yeah. He's a bald. Yeah. Welcome to Team Ball, friendo. Yeah. He, look, he used to look like producer J-Dubs. Yeah. Now he looks like me, Rob. Yeah. Well, hmm. <laughs> I think he still looks a lot more uh, like J-Dubs. Okay, Rog, Man United, the red side of Manchester. The addition of Romelu Lukaku has added to already lofty expectations for Jose Mourinho's sophomore album at Old Trafford. How do you top a season, Davo, in which you win the triple? Yeah. All right, it was for the FA Cup, mm -hmm. the Community Shield, and Club Programme of the Year. But this is a massive, massive season for Jose. Every stat you're going to hear... Boils down to this one. Since his time at Porto, he's won the title by his second season at every club he's ever been at. Mm. Can he do it at Old Trafford, David? To end the four seasons of biblical scale wandering in the desert they've had since Sir Alex retired. He certainly can do it, uh, Rog. And uh, I was just checking the bookmakers last night, checking the odds. And the uh, punters of Britain and the world seem to agree. They are uh, favourites to win the Premier League this season uh, as of now. Uh, Rog Lukaku, Matic uh, coming in, who I think is going to be significant. I think he's going to be a significant piece for them. They seem to have a bit more pace across the park. They seem to have uh, certainly Man United fans are buzzing uh, in anticipation of this season. Lukaku, I spoke about losing Matic. Uh, how do you feel about <sighs> losing uh, losing the big boy? Well, you know me, David. Yeah, I'm a realist. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're not. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> I'm not really, but I was oddly clear-eyed about this. I mean, <laughs> elite footballers are brands. 
Romilly is a huge footballer, which means he's got football dreams on the field and social media numbers to hit off it. Mm-hmm. And he came on our show two seasons ago, and I knew he was going to leave. I asked him what he dreams about at night, and he started yeah. to say, mumbling an answer about playing for big clubs and bit, and then he cut himself off after two sentences. And I realized he wasn't just looking for a club that loved him and that he played well. He was looking for a social media platform. It was fascinating watching United, the day he signed, putting out a press release saying they'd broken their own social media record for the most retweeted mm. social post of all time. That's another title. Big players care about that, then, yeah, David. Totally they, do. they do today. I mean, it's a reality that other clubs, not United, not Arsenal, are trying to play catch-up with. They're just massive social media platforms. How will he be at United is a different question. I mean, finding the back of the net was United's biggest problem last season. 54 goals they scored, lowest of the big seven by some margin. Lukaku is an exclamation point of a player, 24 Premier League goals. But he's still so young, physically gifted. He's like an NBA centre of a striker. And his mind's the key. He studies the game avidly, speaks like 12 languages. He's got a massive upside. He's got a terrible first touch. And I wonder whether Mourinho is the man to unlock it and help him with what he's wanting, with their history and whether it's really going to be a partnership that's going to allow him to go next level, David. Because given a choice between his former club, Chelsea, and his former manager, Jose Mourinho, he went for the latter. Look, Man United struggled last season to uh, find victories against a lot of uh, lower-level teams. And that's who Romelu Lukaku thrived against. He thrived against, as we use the expression, flat-track bully. Um, he did very, very well against the, uh, the the lower teams in the Premier League. And I think that will help United um, a lot. I mean, look, I think there is some element. I've done this podcast with you for a few years now, and I'm yet to experience an Everton player leaving who you weren't somehow pleased to see the back of, because I think it's also the way you are set as a fan that the moment a player leaves, they are dead to you. The way I process and they, rejection. And, and they weren't that good anyway. That's how you... Can I say something That's how you that. deal I, with I it. I love you, but Everton have changed, David. Yeah. And I'm used to having players prized away, as you know. Yeah. And I used to feel about it, how Ann Coulter roughly felt about Delta Airlines. <laughs> but now Everton are doing so wonderfully. Yeah. We can just love the money we got in return. And we're big enough now, David, yeah. to just say, Romilly, I wish you well, friend. I wish you well. So you only want good things to happen to Lukaku this year. So a golden boot for Lukaku will be celebrated by you this season. Second to Sanjo. <laughs> I feel very happy, man. How will United be, David? Uh, I think they're going to be very good. I think they're going to We're going to get to our predictions later. I think United are going to be very, very good this season. <sighs> they're going to be more astute defensively, David. Mm. That front six is going to be quick, transitional. And it, the key for me is if Rashford can continue to develop and not have his confidence impacted yeah. by the arrival of Lukaku. If, if he can, this could be a United team that could excel at both ends of the field. Now, down to a team who've been uh, really sort of a revelation over the past two seasons, Rog. Uh, Spurs, after two valiant title challenges the last two years, minus... One Kyle Walker, Mauricio Pochettino's side were able to keep their young core intact. Not much else in terms of new blood, but will that be enough to put them over the top? Roger. Good news. Spurs have lost no one. Yeah. And keeping hold of their elite talent. That's a real fear for this club. Bad news. There have been no new players arriving to bolster, to reinforce, most importantly, to challenge for places. I mean, players just get complacent if there's no young talent that forced them to keep raising their games. Bad news. Trippier injured. 
Has the Kyle Walker-Peters era begun? Mm. Probably not. Expect footballing Swiss Army knife Eric Dyer to deputise at the back. But worst news of all, Dave, Spurs are, because of stadium construction, they're playing all their home games at Wembley this year, which last yeah. season, if you remember, had about the same effect on Spurs that the stadium alight had on Sunderland. I really feel for them. Mm. Yeah. I mean, look, my feeling about Spurs last season is that they were like a you know, top 20 tennis player who just went on an amazing run or a top 10 tennis player who went on an amazing run just going for winners from everywhere the whole time. And they went for winners and they got winners from all over the court, hitting shots that were low percentage, figuring out a way to win games that really they shouldn't have shouldn't have won. They were very, very good. Um, I felt like they, uh, even matches they lost, they were often outplaying their opposition. But there was a perfection to it. There was a, there were fine margins to their game that I am unsure of their ability to keep up. I also think that it is somewhat significant that this is a World Cup year that we're getting to the end of. And you're going to have a lot of players very preoccupied, not just the English players. You're going to have a lot of players very preoccupied with their form and how they're playing going into a uh, into a World Cup Jeff season. Jeff Cameron, for more on Spurs, yeah. brace yourself. I can't believe I'm... Reading this, Christian Eriksen and Tobiel de Ver de Ver de Ver de Ver de Ver, old Dave. Yeah. They're guesting on season four debut of the Men in Blazers show. Wow. On NBC Sports. Mm. What date's that? August twenty first. Yeah, August twenty first. We we're not we're not coming on right with the Premier League. Yeah. You're gonna get a chance to recover from the Premier League. They want to ease us in like Moretta yeah, at Chelsea. Exactly. We've got to learn a few things, gotta learn how to play with that back. Uh, to goal a little bit first, but then we'll be there. Okay, Rog, back up north. Liverpool, another season of heavy metal football ahead for which Jurgen Klopp has added two former Chelsea men. He'll attempt to coerce more consistency out of his mob while fighting on both domestic and European fronts. Chelsea rejects are the order of the day. Mm -hmm. The talented Mohamed Salah returns from exile, a really different calibre of player. Mm. Huge amount of buzz about 19-year-old Chelsea dropout Dominic Solanke. Yeah. Did enjoy this tweet from a Liverpool fan after Usain Bolt flamed out in the World Championship at Dave O-C-K-O-P. Heartbroken for Bolt. Up there with the likes of Mohamed Ali, Pele, Phelps, Solanke and Federer as one of the greatest athletes ever. Yeah, I mean, Solanke's a very good player. Anybody who saw him play uh, for one of those young England sides this uh, summer had an amazing uh, time in European and World tournaments. We'll see how strong... He is. He's just the kind of striker you want. He's fast. He's athletic. Can't believe we let him go. Great uh, for Liverpool. And I think in pre-season, he's been electric. But Liverpool, David, winners of last season's mini-league going head-to-head against the top seven, unbeaten against the Giants. They were bunglers against the Minnows. Is that going to change this season? Uh, Well, I think a lot depends on a player they're trying to keep. I think uh, Coutinho. We'll see if Coutinho stays or not. He's a uh, player who, you know, Liverpool fans will always, um, when you mention this to them, say, oh, yeah, but he wasn't always as good. He wasn't, like, as good this season as he was the season before. Uh, I think he's very important for that team. He sort of has the place. I think there's an injury to Adam Lallana. I think that's a tough thing Out going into this season. for the first couple of months of the season. I think that is a uh, tough thing for them. And still Virgil van Dijk. Are they going to land their man from Southampton? He's the defender they really want in that team. Well, look at this squad. Going to have to do battle in the Champions League and in the Premier League this side round, it, it does seem thin, especially that back line which just crumpled so t- self-sabotagingly and self-destructively at times this season. The Lallana injury, massive concern. 
Daniel Sturridge in perhaps the most Daniel Sturridge moment of his career, injuring himself while scoring. That fearsome front line looks thinner than it should. And then you think about the calibre of the players Liverpool are linked to endlessly, Naby Keita, Mbappe, and as you mentioned, Virgil van Dijk. As every Everton fan knows to their peril though, whether Sadio Mane, there's always hope, Davey. We've got Liverpool CEO Peter Moore coming into town next week to tape a pod special with us, so we will hear more about how that club is thinking about the season ahead. Legitimately, Rog, this season, we have a top pound seven. Pound. We have a top seven. One of the greatest seven. clubs in football. Uh, Everton Football Club, Rog, your beloved Everton Football Club. There's one player in particular who Everton brought in that brought quite a lot of attention, Rog. Just England and Manchester United's all-time leading goal scorer, Wayne Rooney. GFOP at underscore OB underscore uh, sent us this. At least at Rog Bennett hasn't been chatting about Rooney for years. And thank God there isn't tape of it that someone could edit it together. It's so true. I mean, but legitimately, we've had this conversation a lot of times. I still think Rooney's a really good footballer. I think he is massively underrated. I think he's underappreciated. You look at his goal-scoring record for England, for Man United, and this is a guy, he looks slimmed down, he looks great, he looks ready to go. Look you, at you. you, look at you, trying you, to bait me. You're trying no, to bait me. No, I legitimately think he's a great player for Everton, and I think you're going to see around. him do really well at Everton this season, you and I what? think it's going to be I a think struggle. You're trying to lure me. You think you're trying to lure me onto the rocks like a, like a because siren. You, because you do think he's crap and fat and overrated. <sighs> Um, I've got to process those accusations. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, the big thrust of this is, I'm beginning to think, Deborah, all these years I've been wondering who writes the Premier League script. <laughs> and the moment that Wayne Rooney, like a Pacific salmon, yeah. summoning the courage to swim upstream yeah. back to the exact river in which he was born so he can just spawn and die, spawn and die, By the spawn way, and die. In that half sentence, just comparing him to a Pacific salmon... And not like an elephant is the nicest thing you've ever said about Wayne Rooney on this podcast. Spawn and die. It's yeah. always come back to Everton to do two things, mate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do I like it? That's what you're asking me. From Rooney's POV, David. Not really. I'm asking you, do we just put down the bile that you have uh, thrown Wayne Rooney's way? Yeah. Do we just put that down to how to your, uh, how disappointed you were to see him leave Everton and therefore it coloured every view you ever had of him? No. Or do you legitimately think he's no, I mean, here's the reality with Wayne Rooney. This move makes sense from several perspectives. None of them mine. So from Rooney's POV, he's a born and bred scouter. I mean, we had Stevie G on the show talking about what it was like to try and play for the Galaxy. And he just said, you know, he's used to only growing up in Liverpool, only being in Liverpool, driving around Liverpool in his Range Rover, that's all he knew automatically. Suddenly he's like, on the 405, where's the 405 go to? I don't know, I'm back in Santa Monica, I don't want to be in Santa Monica, how am I? Uh, he, he couldn't function on the field because he couldn't understand life off it. Hence Rooney, a child of Liverpool, completely and utterly, sheerly Liverpool, could never go to China. He could probably. Oh, I thought not... you were going to say Manchester. Is it... Man- <laughs> By the way, Manchester is a foreign country. It was country like going for to China. It was like going to a foreign country. It... He only knows the northwest of England. And after United, there's really only Everton for him. So there was... it makes complete sense for Wayne Rooney. For Everton, I think about why would they bring Wayne Rooney back? And then I read this, Davo. The day he signed, and he just crossed his arms after signing his name on a plate of glass to announce his return. 
the club's social media record by a massive multiple. That Rooney announcement video was shattered. I mean, that matters to a club like Everton, who now have a, suddenly, for the first time, a region for Asian, African market to care about the club in a way they never have had before. Rooney's Twitter and Instagram numbers, they are so much bigger than Everton football clubs. That, that itself is worth value in this day. It's mind-boggling as it feels, David. And, Rog, what you're missing out is that already his shirt sales are breaking all records in the Everton shop. i got a Tony Your Hibbert fellow shirt. Everton fans seem to be very excited to have Rooney back. They will be chanting his name from the stands. Are you going to join them in welcoming Rooney back in? Are you going to cheer for when he scores his first goal? He scored some goals in pre-season, Rog. That, that one cheer, from the I'll cheer again. When your kids start going, Rooney, Rooney, you're going to feel great about your kids in doing that. Do you think he's still crap? Or are you having a little moment of reevaluation of the skill look, level and career look, of Wayne Rooney? Look, he's no Ebra, who aged while maintaining his body and his mind through like the gym and the dojo and the gym and the dojo. I think Rooney, he loves life. He likes a drink. He seems to like the occasional cigarette. His pace has gone. And I, and I believe that we have a young squad to whom he can be a great amount of value in the locker room with his stories. I mean, you just look at the two new lads who've come in, Davy Klassen and Sandro. If you've not seen Davy Klassen, he looks like Stephen Naismith's Dutch bastard offspring. Yeah. And Sandro, a striker who is balding, age 22. Now, I see value there. Mm-hmm. Lads, That's you're young. Tom Davis to talk to. You're going through the, the trauma of hair loss. Yeah. So Wayne... You know, with his three hair transplants, can probably talk them with through his that story. Stories, there's a lot for him to do. But I don't believe. Here's what I think is going to happen, and I hope I'm wrong. I believe he'll start at the beginning of the season. But with all of the talent we have in the attacking side of the squad, I believe after the first quarter of the season, more and more he's going to be on the bench. I hope it doesn't become an issue. Is Rooney starting? Is Rooney starting? But I believe his impact is going to be not unlike Clint Dempsey's for the US team—a 15-minute, 20-minute high impact striker I did love I'll tell you this I did love what he said to the media when he arrived for all he'd achieved at Manchester United so much silverware so many titles I think 11 major titles he said winning with Everton would be quote the pinnacle the crowning point in a career and I did love that David because we've always said there's no romance in football and I believe Sit tight. We're going to see whether that is really the case. There's a lot more to be excited about than Wayne Rooney, who I can't wait to see how this turns out. Yeah. Jordan Pickford in goal. Yeah. Michael Keane from Burnley. Yeah. 24. He's like yeah. John Stones. If John Stones was actually good at football. Mm. Everton have not brought footballers like this in eons, David. Coveted yeah. young talents that could have gone anywhere, but chose Everton. We are upwardly mobile. And I'll say, after three decades of having young talent plundered by bigger clubs the moment they scored a couple of goals... It's an amazing feeling, David, these feelings. The whole kind of guilty pursuit, which has been like an Icelandic saga, Swansea sources tell me they are about $2.5 million difference. It's agonizing. That's a big price to pay for disrupting the club's preseason. I wish um, they, they could have landed it. But at Aaron Farker, 96, sums it up, David. He says, after every new Everton signing, I grow more and more concerned for Everton fans and Roger Bennett. We all may die of hope before the season starts. Yeah, Pickford, a fantastic goalkeeper. It's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts to playing a team with an actual defence in front of him. He's <laughs> not used to uh, not used to, to, to playing with a real defence. Michael Keane, classy footballer. Fantastic. Great, like in, maybe the future of England's back four as well. I, uh, I, fantastic I've not felt player. this kind of hope since the 80s, David, to be candid. Even though yeah. we've got a brutal gauntlet to start the season. I think we start with Stoke and then Manchester City, Chelsea, Tottenham, Man United... 
with Europa League games sprinkled in. I'll just say Everton Football Club, chaos is a ladder. Uh, okay, Roger, we mentioned the top seven, a legitimate top seven uh, this season. Uh, any other teams you want to mention, Roger? Anybody else you think could compete uh, to get into that top seven? Yeah, West Ham. Oh, back again. I'm only they, they were, that was my team last year. Oh, and look what they did, Rog. I'm only saying that so I got an opportunity to say you have no idea how much you miss a Joe Hart until a Joe Hart returns. <laughs> yeah. It's like Daenerys. From a broadcasting perspective. Across the narrow seas to reclaim oh. a kingdom with dragons, yeah. which I guess makes Zabaleta and Chicharito the poor man's Varys and Grey Worm. But whatever, Premier League Tunnel just got about 100% yeah. better and I couldn't be more thrilled to have yeah. him back in our loving arms. Yeah. And I know that thousands of our listeners feel the same we are discussing a new show with NBC Sports I'm probably not allowed to talk about it on here but we are discussing a weekly show called Premier League Tunnel uh, now that Joe Hart is coming back uh, to West Ham um, Roger there's always a team every season who is sort of you know close to being relegated one season and then bounce back sensationally at the next year last year of course it was Chelsea um, I this year them. I think um, don't lester me no, I think that it's not going to be a very good year, and we're going to talk about that. I think it's not going to be a very good year for the teams in London. But I have a feeling that you mentioned West Ham. I think another team who are going to bounce back sensationally, I'm not saying this just because of how much I love their chairman, Steve Parrish. I think Palace have had, had a very, very good, and as, uh, you speak to agents in the game, they'd say that Palace have done a lot of very, very good business uh, this offseason without breaking the bank, bought in a lot of very good young players, They've certainly strengthened their defence. And of all the things, they've brought in a manager in Frank de Boer, which just shows their ambition as a club, somebody who's been a winner pretty much everywhere he's gone, except for Inter Milan. And um, uh, I'm very, very bright about them. Personally, very excited uh, to see Ruben Loftus-Cheek get a chance to go and play football. He's on loan there for the season. Fosu Mensa has just joined them. Uh, from United as well. Some very, very good young players excited about them this season. It is time, Dave, eh? to make our picks for the top four to go all three-eyed raven. Well, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? How do you want to do it? <sighs> I don't know how we're going to do it. I will say the season boils down to this for me, David. Yeah. It is Pep and Jose. Yeah. And the thing that's fascinating, neither of these two men can fail. Second is a disaster yeah. for either of these two blokes in their tenure. So do you have, by saying that, do you have City and United first and second? Because I have them first and second too. I can neither confirm nor deny, but yes. Okay, so I have, uh, I'll do my one-two. Why don't I do my one-two, you do your one-two, and then we'll get into three-four. Do you not want to do it like that? I'd love to do it like that. I'll say it's at about seven teams squeezing into four places, which makes this the hardest league to predict for me in uh, in the past decade. Last season, we thought it would be all about Pep and Jose and how wrong we were. Guardiola guided a listless city into a wounded third place. Mourinho numbly grabbed an unconvincing six. There's going to be no safety net, David. So when you think about how how it's going to end, I'll say this. I do think Wembley is going to scupper Spurs. I feel very sad about that. And Liverpool fans, that small squad, unless it's expanded, the league is going to end like this. Uh, My top four, Rog, the theme of my top four. In fact, I think it would be my title for the Premier League script this season is The North Will Rise Again. Hurrah! Uh, The South is going to get shut out. The North remembers. The South is going to get shut out, Rog. Uh, The Premier League will finish. United and City in one and two. I think United are going to win it. I think City are going to come second. That will cost Pep his job. Believe me, that is a squeaker. It could be by a point this season. I've had times when I've thought City are going to win it. I've had times when I think United are going to win it. Ultimately, I made my decision last night after looking 
at the intelligence of the British betting public and following the money and seeing United are favourites. I'm going to go with United over City. Uh, That's so funny. I'm going to go for City over United. I believe in the power of the Powerball. Pep and newly crowned King Ball David Silva are going to hoist with that speed down the flanks and hoist the title. Correct what went wrong last season. United are going to come second, which may as well be last, David, because Jose is going to burn that place down. It's going to be a season of venom, of bile, of loathing and spite. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, third and fourth for me, you're right, squeezing seven teams into the top four is going to be hard, and I think it's going to be close. Uh, but I think Liverpool are going to get third place this season. I think they're uh, drafting off you know, the rivalry between uh, Liverpool and the Manchester teams, particularly Man United, I think is often not talked about enough. I think Liverpool are going to be inspired to do better. I think they're going to get in Virgil van Dijk. I think Liverpool, I think Solanke could be a star World Cup year. He could be going uh, to Russia, uh, Rod for England and um, uh, and getting significant minutes there. I think Liverpool are going to be very, very good this season. I don't want to play them. I'm afraid of them. Uh, I think they're going to be good. And in fourth place, uh, Rog, I believe the team who've done the most in the off-season uh, of the teams chasing Manchester is Everton Football Club. Oh, Rog, Michael Davis, King there. Troll. This You're is their season. Me. Everton are going to be back in the Champions League. Rog, Everton are going to go and do it. I think Wayne Rooney is going to be a fantastic player for them, not just because his story is about balding, Rog, and how to deal with hair loss. Listen, lads, when it falls out, I panic. think that it's the, the <laughs> returning to the team he supported as a kid, returning to his boyhood team, returning uh, to his hometown. I think he's a real leader on this team. I think with Pickford... With Michael Keane, um, I just Kino, think it's a Kino. really, really nice-looking team. Uh, second year in charge uh, for their large uh, Dutch pink-faced manager. I think it's going to be a good year for Everton. That's my top four. Tottenham, I'm sorry. I think they hit too many winners. I think Wembley's going to affect them. Arsenal, I don't think you did enough. I think Arsenal, if you didn't watching want them in enough. the Community Shield, I think Chelsea is so bad. And that team they put out at the weekend was so bad. I just don't think Arsenal... Uh, have enough to go and do it. I think it'll be Tottenham in fifth, Arsenal in sixth. Uh, Chelsea, maybe top seven, but it could be tenth. In third place, this is for realsies, this one. Okay, Rog, go ahead. Chelsea Football Club. Mm. They are. I mean, Antonio Conte, so bonkers. He doesn't know how to fail. He's a winner. He's not going to win this year, but he's going to drag that team. They're meant to slump to tenth, David, Leicester City style. But no, no, no. Antonio Conte is going to drag that team into the top four by hook or by crook, and there will be murders. And in fourth place, I love the verse from Isaiah, chapter 11, verse 6. These are the days of miracle and wonder. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them, and his name will be Adamola Luckman. Yep, Everton. Oh, are going to be in fourth Lookman. place. What a good player. We agree, David. Oh, my word. Everton and in fourth. Everton in fourth. Everton in fourth. And when I, when I wrote this down, I just felt the same kind of feelings that Icarus must have experienced while he was strapping on his wax wings and mm. saying, I'm going to fly towards the sun. <sighs> Whatever he shouted, just insert that here, David. Can I just say one thing about the Chelsea pick in third? The other reason that I think Chelsea drop out of the top four is I do think they're capable of playing some very good football this season still. But I think at a certain point, they're going to play Champions League football this year. It's not going to be a big squad. They're going to have to do a lot of work in January in order to sort of make up for it. 
And I think at a certain point when they realise they're not going to win the Premier League, remember Chelsea finished sixth the year they won the Champions League. If they're going to progress through the knockout stages of the Champions League, they're going to have to sacrifice the Premier League season. And so that's sort of the other reason that I see them getting close to third and fourth, but I see them ultimately dropping out of the well, race. Welcome our new friends. Yes, putting on our scuba gear, Rog. Submerging ourselves at the other end of the table now, Rog. You're not long back from a tour of the recently promoted Premier League teams. It's for a series of films you're making, The Promoted, which tells the backstories of Newcastle, Brighton and Hove Albion, and Huddersfield. Uh, you survived to tell the tale. Which team do you feel is most vulnerable in the season ahead? Which of us amongst us are not vulnerable, David? Yeah. That's a very impossible question to answer. I'd say each of these teams has a remarkable story. Newcastle, fantastic city, led by managerial heavyweight Rafa Benitez, who stayed with the club when it sank into the championship. He's adored you know, on Tyneside for doing so in a way that's only matched by the hatred directed to team owner and human controversy, Michael Ashley. Um, they've not strengthened in the way Rafa would have imagined. And where, where there's a Rafa, there's a hope. Uh, and if he stays, there will be. If he goes, there won't be. I stay, for God's sake, Rafa, he's a lovely man. Stay for DeAndre Yedlin's sake, Rafa. Stay for God's sake. Mm. As well as for that truly proud fan base in that truly great city who, who deserve much better, right, David? Yeah, they definitely do. Proper football club, amazing fans. And, you know, one of those rare instances where uh, getting relegated, going down to the championship, allowed them to rebuild uh, the kind of football they played. I've watched them play a couple of games last season, Ross. They were electric, electric, um, oh. especially at home. Huddersfield and Brighton, both yeah. heartwarming stories. Brighton, great local owners, fans first, saving the clubs from financial meltdown and near oblivion at the foot of the English League Pyramid. And then they built the stadium, the Amex, which is going to rock this season. It's where they will win 97% of their points, I believe, Burnley <laughs> style. Brighton, one of the greatest cities in all of England. How would you say it's like faded British seaside, modern rave cool, right, David? Yeah, if you read Graham Greene's Brighton Rock, one of the great uh, novels written about uh, that's how my sister lived there for a while. Uh, Rog, it's a, um, I visited there a lot. London by the Sea is a yeah. fantastic place to visit and an even better place to watch a game of football. Mm. Huddersfield, even more remarkable, an mm. innocuous team from the north of the country, propelled to the big dance by loving local owners who have almost zero financial muscle. This team had the fourth lowest payroll in the championship. They are true minnows. What they do have is the brilliance of David Wagner, their German manager, a Jurgen Klopp acolyte. His dad was an American military mm. serviceman and he played eight times for the US in 1998. Yep. But he's very, very German. Uh, Klopp's the godfather to his kid. I think he was Jurgen's best man hmm. at his wedding. I interviewed him at length. He is a human wonder. We're releasing it, uh, the interview, as a pod special this Thursday, right? Please listen to it. It's one of the best interviews I've ever been involved with. All David Wagner, not me. And I think listen to it because you'll be a better person for doing so. And I will say, up the Terriers! Very good, Rog. So who do you think is the most vulnerable of those teams? Why don't you give me uh, your bottom three? Who's going down? Gives me no pleasure to announce these in reverse order, David. Yeah. 18th place, it's you, Newcastle. Yeah. Phil, like there's something toxic within that club, a disgruntlement at all levels, like a parasitic flatworm that's going to eat the survival challenge up from within. In 19th, Swansea City, and I hope I'm wrong because I adore Mr. Paul Clement. And in 20th place, oh, and I hope I'm wrong again, Brighton and Hove Albion. In the words of Brooklyn Dodgers legend Leo DeRocher, nice guys finish last. 
Yeah, Rog, I agree uh, on Brighton, unfortunately, and Swansea, even though I share your love of Paul Clements. I want Tammy Abraham to have a good season uh, on loan there from Chelsea. But I think the third team who are going to go down, um, I think Watford. I think it's just continuing my theme of a, a, a bad uh, year for London. I don't think Watford have done enough. It's the richest in the year. I think they didn't play very well uh, last season. A lot of their goal scoring uh, dried up, and I see Watford uh, going down Marco this season. Silva. Okay, Rog, because we'd never end on a negative note, not us. Let's have one thing you're looking forward to uh, this season. One random thing you're looking forward to. What is it, Rog? You mean other than Everton's Bron-like ascendancy from poor Purcell yeah. sword to Lord? So Absolutely. That's not enough reason to blank my family for the next eight months. I can't wait to watch Mr. Danny Williams at Huddersfield, mm. a German-American who loves a tackle in the heart of a Premier League midfield. He told me that he's not heard from Bruce Arena. And watching him stake his claim for a US return is going to be fascinating, this story. Uh, and throw another quickie in, Jermaine Defoe at Bournemouth. Phenomenal club, fantastic bloke. Watching him play alongside Josh King under Eddie Howe, it's going to be my guilty pleasure. Yeah, I always, it's the same thing for me every season. I love seeing the young players emerging, sort of brand new players. Honestly, for me last season, Tom Davis at Everton. Your nephew. Um, no, he is amazing. No relation, I wish. Uh, seeing Josh King uh, develop uh, and actually the continuing development of Wilfred Zaha, who I think when you watch that guy play live, he is a electric, electric player going into a World Cup year for the Ivory Coast. I think he could be um, absolutely uh, phenomenal this season. Uh, so I love seeing the young players emerge and a lot of young players. You never know who it's going to be, uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing Slanky playing, looking forward to seeing Abraham playing, looking forward to seeing Loftus-Cheek playing. They're all um, there, are lots, there are a lot of young players who can emerge and it's just wonderful, particularly going into a World Cup year, to see who are going to be the young guys who are going to, um, you know, capture the attention of uh, of their international managers and uh, make that journey to Moscow. Mostly, Dave, I'm looking forward to 380 games over 276 days. That's 34,380 minutes of happiness, fear, success, self-loathing, gut punches. Bring it on. Okay, Roger, we mentioned it at the top of the pod. Our Togger League is back. GFOPs, you can sign up on meninblazers.com. There's a new winner every week. That winner gets a special MIB fantasy football patch. The season-long winner gets an appearance on this very pod. Rog, today, last season's winner, claimed his prize, which is more like a punishment, when he joined you to talk <laughs> about his conquering all-comers and his strategy for the season ahead. With great pride and the hope that I can learn or steal a trick or two, we welcome to the pod, from Fort Worth, Texas, via Grimsby, England, winner of your 2016-17 Men in Blazers Togger Fantasy League, the great Mr. Simon Wardell. A life journey has led into you becoming a fantasy genius. And when I say that, you really are a fantasy genius because you didn't just dominate the Men in Blazers Togger Fantasy League. You were the number two Togger player globally this year, which is astonishing. I had number one going into the the final weekend and uh, just managed to be nipped out at the end there. But uh... by producer Lexi, <laughs> so not not only are you a person that has to go out and take in information, you have become such a prolific fantasy life liver. You are actually putting out now. You have your own blog. You have so dominated our league. Simon says soccer dot com. What I want to do with you because you are so phenomenal with your Togger team pre Maradona, but you've got four or five fantasy rules that you live by. Number one, stick to meat and potatoes. You're a man who likes to live by the Chris Christie diet. Absolutely. Um, 
I know lots of people like differentials. I have my own saying that differentials are dangerous. Um, I, I definitely stuck with the, the consistent scores, and I call them Taga scores, guys like in the midfield, Christian Eriksen's, De Bruyne's, Payet before, his, before he left was probably one of the better Taga players ever. Um, the differentials, if you're looking for something late in the season, sure, you're looking to catch up. But early in the season, I think consistency is the way to go. I ended up with 10 times in the top 100, but never, never won a weekly prize. Slow and but, steady you know, in- wins a race for Simon Wardle. You, you, so essentially, you are a big team, big name player. Those guys deliver. You pick the star of the team that everybody covets, the Danny Williams of the Premier League. Well, you have to because even though the season consisted almost up to a 5,000 points by the end of the season, I was trailing, and one week, a guy who was leading for much of the season ended up making the mistake of not playing Harry Kane, went for somebody else, and Kane put four in an assist. I leapfrogged him, and then all of a sudden, he's looking for differentials to try and catch me, and I'm in the driver's position, and I never ended up giving it up in the Men in Blazers group, so... It's a dangerous game. These are differentials because you can you can fall behind quite easily. These are rules to live your life by. You also love players like Alonso, like the late great Carl Walker, who get in a lot of crosses. You love a good cross. Absolutely, the offensive defensemen are. I think there's going to be a lot more of those guys this season as well, with a lot of teams using the three-five-two with the wing backs, but. At the beginning of the season, those guys like Alonzo, Danny Rose, Kyle Walker, those guys, those guys were just 15 to 20 point guys. They didn't even have to get goals and assists. They just provide you with so many of those extra stats. So everyone all in on DeAndre Yedlin, a monster tog a year ahead. <laughs> um, interesting stat that you look at, and not just goal scorers in the forward realm, but you like the miscellaneous forwards who score points for what you call the smaller categories, like what? Alexis Sanchez, I mean, obviously he had a great goal, goals and assist season as well, but that guy, you just plugged him in because all those Taga stats, whether they're key passes, chances created, all those things, he's just constantly, you know, he's like a little terrier out there. He's constantly just compiling stats. So he can have a game where he blanks and still gets you 15 to 20, whereas some of these other guys – Often, maybe Costa sometimes, if he didn't score, you might have been looking at one or two points. So I always erred on the side of the guaranteed points that you were going to get from those types of guys. Murata against Lukaku, how do you handicap that? Oh, goodness. I just did a draft and didn't plan on taking Murata, to be honest. And uh, he ended up falling so far that I just thought his upside, I just, I just had to. But uh, I think Lukaku outscores Outscores yeah, Morata, uh, he's no Mishi sure. Batshui, is he? You're a big United fan in real life, Simon Wall. Your dad, a steel worker who worked uh, on a project at Old Trafford. How many United players will you be picking opening day this season? I would definitely got Lukaku in there at home to West Ham. Got to. Uh, he's a beast. And... Uh, Pogba, I believe Pogba's going to have a a better offensive season. He already, Taga-wise, had a good season on average, but I think he's really going to get forward with with Matic and Herrera behind him. So I've got Pogba and Lukaku right now, and I'd say 
that's where I'm leaving it right now. And if I could offer you the number one Togger player globally title right now, I could just hand it to you through our friendship with the people at Togger. Not that they rig Togger in any way, shape or form. This is imaginary. You're the man who understands imagination. You've got a great fantasy life. If I could offer you the number one Togger player around the world or United in real life. Do you remember real life, Simon? To win the title. Which would you choose? United to win the title easily. You're a fantastic player. I know, player, I know that Waddle. shocks you, but a I've already been player. a world champion in fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> is it cra- is it all it's cracked up to be Simon? Tell me it is. I imagine when well, you're I imagine when you're a champion in fantasy, you just live a life with unicorns and just crocs of gold from the end of the rainbow. Is that what it's really like? Well, you get to come on a pod with you, so I mean that's that's worth it already, isn't it? Oh mate, it's a human rights abuse. Some would consider it to be a punishment. We wish you <laughs> and all global players in the men in Blazers Togger Fantasy League incredible joy, incredible me. It does bring incredible joy and incredible meaning into my sad life, and I know it does to thousands uh, of our GFOPs. And we wish you, Simon Wardle, the one to beat. We wish you Godspeed. Am I allowed to do one shout out? Yeah, sure. Shout out is to my wife, Christina, for uh, putting up with all the early alarms because when you're in North America and you're doing Targa and you need to check those lineups right before, there's a lot of 6.30 alarms. And for Ava, who, uh, who loves the men in blazers, although I'm pretty sure she tunes you, you guys out until Crap Cat's on. But How old's your daughter? Baby, baby steps. She's nine years old. Oh, you've got to keep her awake. Um, until she's no longer impressionable from our crap. But, 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 but to your wife, we will say, and to all partners of loved ones who participate in the Toggly for giving us all eight months to just generally burrow away into the fantasy realm that is the Premier League. We salute you, raising a Guinness in your direction, Christina of Fort Worth. Thank you for allowing us to learn awesome. at the knee from the fantasy god known as Simon Wardle. Courage. We'll see you next year. Oh, Dave, I have woven that man's laws of fantasy life into a tapestry, which I'm going to hang right beside my television. We've got our Togger League. We're all in it. You, me, producer J-Dubs, Lexi, who's a savage. You can sign up too, dear GFOP, and please do via meninblazers.com. Look for the Togger uh, article and sign up there. Fight against thousands. It's really, it's a brutal war. Uh, your weekend looks like this, Rog. Oh, it's back. It begins come Friday come come at 2.45 p.m. Eastern time with the very first game of this Premier League season. It's Arsenal versus Leicester City on NBCS. And Leicester City, Rog, not even getting a mention, the champions of uh, two seasons ago. And um, we'll see how they're going to be this season. Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time, it's Brighton and Hove Albion making their network debut here in America as they host Man City on NBC proper. Rod, straight to broadcast television for Brighton and Hove Albion. It's going to be a hell of a spectacle. Saturday night in MLS, it's City's American cousin, NYCFC, traveling to the LA Galaxy to take on Siggy Schmidt at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. Presumably, Siggy Schmidt will field 11 players on the field also. And Sunday morning <laughs> at 11 a.m., it's Man United versus West Ham uh, United. There's going to be some tunnel, Rog, uh, on NBC SN. Great thing about this first weekend that all of our colleagues, and I mean all of them apart from us, hashtag not invited, Again. Kyle, both Robbies and the remarkable Rebecca Lowe are going to be over there pitch side 
uh, in England, bringing the action right into our living rooms ahead of this season. We wish each and every one of our colleagues there mm. courage for a great, great season ahead. Yeah, and the great hollow white, Rog. Uh, there are many other ways to connect to us. One is through our Amazon Emporium. Helps keep the show going. Anytime you go on Amazon, Frightens Big or Small, just click off the Emporium page. Men in Blazers gets a tiny percentage that allows us to cover the costs of creating the show. What are you putting in the Emporium, Rog, to kick off the Premier League season? A book. Well, Deep Thinking, mm. where machine intelligence ends and human creativity begins. Oh, you love Deep Thinking. Oh, I wish. By Gary Kasparov. Mm. I, I was a serious chess player as a kid. We talked about that on the pod. Mm. Gary Kasparov was my hero. He retains that status despite 20 years ago losing a legendary battle against IBM's Deep Blue supercomputer, which he reflects upon in this book, reliving the battle between man and machine and drawing out the repercussions in terms of AI. It's a brilliant book, and his conclusion is a life lesson that I love. He writes that the willingness to keep trying new things when you're already an expert at something is what separates the good from the great. Focusing only on your strengths. I'm speaking to you, Arsene Wenger. That's me talking, not Gary. Focusing only on your strengths is required for peak performance, but improving your weaknesses has the potential for the greatest gains. This is true for athletes, executives, entire companies. Leave your comfort zone. It involves risk, however, and when you're already doing well, the temptation to stick with the status quo can be overwhelming, leading to stagnation. He could be describing Arsenal Football Club there, yeah, David. Or Embassy Row, Rod. Um, uh, so a movie that uh, moved us both this uh, summer, Dunkirk. <sighs> you actually wrote me an amazing email after I'd seen Dunkirk. You went to see it when you got back to America and you wrote to me uh, something to the you. effect of uh, you didn't prepare me for just how completely and utterly uh, destroying this is on sobbing. an emotional level. Sobbing. I know. I sobbed sobbing. Uh, throughout it. I wasn't even watching on a plane. It's a fantastic film. Um, it's very moving. Uh, I think particularly moving if you are British. Um, but... Moving anyway, if you're just a human and just seeing what these young men uh, went through um, and just the heroism and uh, the valiance in defeat, in a retreat. It was a retreat. It was a loss. It was a military loss. But it ended up uh, saving uh, Britain and potentially uh, saving the Western world uh, from uh, Nazi power, Roger, as uh, Winston Churchill's called the Nazis. Um, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, do that again for me. I the, love na- that. the Nazis. He would say it in a way that just made you instantly loathe them. He said it. He ridiculed them all the time. If you're on the fence, he'd tip you over. At the end of the, uh, yeah, many people were uh, um, a ridiculous number of people were on the fence at that point in uh, in in the early 1940s. I was leaning Roger. right, but you had me with the Nazis. The movie ends. This isn't a spoiler alert. But the movie ends with one of the characters. Um, uh, uh, reading the excerpts of the speech that Winston Churchill made in the House of Commons uh, at the end of that week after the saving of the British Expeditionary Force and a number of uh, French forces in Dunkirk. And he made this incredible speech, which is, we'll fight them on the beaches, we'll fight them on the landing grounds, we'll fight them in the air, we'll fight them everywhere. And it was uh, amazing, one of the great leadership speeches made of all time. Um, There is a wonderful book called Five Days in London, May 1940. I've talked about it on the pod before, written by John Lukacs. It it gives you a perspective of what was going on in London at the time. So if you go and see Dunkirk, the movie's doing very, very well. If you go and see Dunkirk, this is a great book to actually realize how important that was and what was going on for Churchill in the five days leading up to Dunkirk and on the other side of Dunkirk, uh, those days, um, uh, 24th of May to the 28th of May. 1940. These were days that altered the course of human history. Human history was altered uh, by 
One Man by Winston Churchill. It was the most amazing, amazing uh, political uh, performance. Um, and uh, just, just the entire mood of the country, the entire mood of the cabinet, the entire mood of the commons uh, leading up to that speech. And just very, very moving. Uh, go and see the movie if you get a chance. Dave told me, just said, just go and see it. See it in the biggest screen possible that you can do it. And then I just sobbed for two straight hours in a movie theater. It felt unbelievable. And part of the beauty of the film for me is I didn't realize it was Tom Hardy. It looked just like Aldo White. <laughs> and it gave the movie an incredible emotional yeah. power. You thought it, it was is, the Cray brothers. It is the, yeah. it is the spirit of Arlo White that yeah. kind of drove England at that time, that yeah. wonderful force of good, Dave. And I did it to me. There was obviously the beauty of the movie, but it did feel like Arlo White saved the day, Dave, and kept the Germans at bay. Yeah. No, and the, uh, even if the movie doesn't move you, uh, and I do understand there are some people who go to see the movie who are not moved. Don't understand them, but there are some people. The feat of movie making, uh, the feat of filmmaking, 85% of the scenes, you just can't believe how they're being pulled off. It's just amazing to watch. And the narrative, the narrative threads in it, I've got to say the only movie I can believe that's going to be ever like Dunkirk will be the Jamie Vardy movie where it's finally <laughs> yeah. made. Very, very similar. Yeah, beers on the coach on the plane. <laughs> Uh, visit meninblazers.com to sign up for our newsletter, which we produce with our partner Guinness. We've got a special season preview issue going out this Friday. It includes a roundtable of incredibly optimal Men in Blazers guests, past, present, and future, weighing in on how their team will do this season. Rebecca Lowe, Rebecca Lua gives her thoughts on Palace. Dave Fishwick has written something for us on Burnley. <laughs> We've got Barstool's Big Cat on Swansea, Vampire Weekend's Chris Thompson on Spurs, and many, many more. Sign up on meninblazers.com. It goes out this Friday. You can follow us on Twitter, at meninblazers, at MC Davis, at Roger Bennett, on Instagram, at meninblazers, at embassy underscore Davis. Facebook, Men in Blazers. You can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. You can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho, Rog Venderpunkt. War pig. Who wants to sex Matumbo? Explosion. Balls win, balls win. Take that, Gloria. Balls lose. To see a sucker. Abrogado, rock on, mate. Kung fu fight in America. Love oh, you, David. Love you, Rog. I love you, Premier League football. Buckle up.